0: The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I don't know if you've been noticing um, how passionate, how passionate people have been getting lately over this election cycle. You guys noticed? Like you almost can't miss it. The passion, the passion levels are, I've never seen anything like this. I've been voting for a while. Some of you have been voting maybe less than me, longer than me. I've never seen passion flying around like it's been flying around now. People can, uh, it's interesting, people can be passionate, but it's amazing to me what they choose, what we choose to be passionate about. See, passion is this welling up of the inside of this energy and this sense and feeling where we get excited, but it's interesting what you and I can choose, we can choose to be passionate about. Again, this election cycle, you look at some of these debates going on and I've watched you know all, everyone running on both sides, I've watched their debates and passions are flying. Um, and then you even look a, on the news and there's some like protests going on and there's people passionate either for a candidate or passionate against the candidate, but these passion levels are flaring right now. It's amazing to see how much passion people put into certain areas. Uh, Maybe some of you, you're uh, you're into sports. And so when your sports team is winning, you get very, very passionate. If your football team is winning, you get very, very passionate. Or if you're from a Latin background, the real football, soccer, you get very, very passionate when your team is winning. If you're into basketball, it's March Madness right now for college. Some people get very passionate very passionate, but it's interesting what we choose to put our passion in, how we aim our passion, how we direct our passion. Um, You know, little kids are amazing. If you watch little kids, Um, if you watch little kids and you watch them with their passion levels, I I love it because they're young and they really haven't thought through everything yet, but they still can get really passionate. Um, The other day, my wife was showing my uh, five-year-old daughter, Macy, uh, she's in kindergarten. She's showing her how to read time on the clock. You know, the little kid, like the, you're supposed to be learning it in second grade. My second grader is learning time. And so she figured, let me show the little one time. She's showing this means six o'clock and this would be 6.30 and just some basic things, right? The next day at the breakfast table, little Macy goes, Mom, I can't believe you're doing this to me. What's that? I can't believe it. You want to send me to school in front of my teacher, and in front of all those kids, and you want me to fail the clock test. (laughs) And she's like, oh, sweetheart, you're not having a clock test. That's for your brother, you're not having, but she's just getting wound up with all this passion, and even little kids can get wound up with passion. You and I can get wound up with passion in certain areas where we choose to place our passion. Why do I want to talk about this? Because this week is Passion Week. This is Passion Week. It's called Passion Week in the, in the calendar of the church. This is Passion Week where Jesus, his three years of public ministry, of healing the sick and raising the dead and sight for the blind and the lame walking and imparting truth to people, giving us a new covenant, Jesus who calmed the storms and, and raised the dead, Jesus made his final descent into Jerusalem on this very week. And in fact, today, historically, is Palm Sunday. It's the day, what we're going to look at this passage, where Jesus came into Jerusalem Jerusalem, knowing what's ahead of him. And he did it because he loved you. He did it because he was so passionate for you. He is passionate. God is passionately in love with us. It just amazes me as believers what we choose to do with our passion, where we choose to place our passion, what, what we choose to get excited about, And when we choose to refrain, it's amazing. We're gonna look at scripture and see how some others do it because there's many passionate expressions in scripture when people respond to Jesus. There's many, many ones. A couple I just mentioned. Um, Remember the woman at the well, the woman Samaritan woman at the well. She was so amazed about her encounter with Jesus when she ran into Jesus, understood who Jesus was, she was so amazed that she turned around in her passion. She went back to her town. She went back to her town and she got every person she knew. And she took all those people to Jesus and said, I have to show you the one. I have, are they coming here? Hopefully they're not coming here. Uh, it sounds like they're right outside. She is so passionate for Jesus that she goes back to her town, gets everyone she knows and says, come with me. You have to meet the one. That's what she did with her passion. Wow, guys, she was compelled. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Sounds like he might be passionate. What must I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus tells him. He puts his head down and he walks away. There's all these different responses to Jesus. Some people place their passion and get all fired up about who Jesus is and what he did and other people do different things. It's amazing. Um, In this passage, when you look at the story in the Bible of Jesus coming into Jerusalem just recently... In the narrative, he healed ten lepers. Ten lepers got healed, and it's an amazing story that he healed all ten at the same time. That's like that's like a you know really cool thing. We don't see that happening. Usually, it's this demon here or this person here. There's a whole group. Ready, all you guys, you're going to be healed. Walk that way and walk in your healing. They're walking in faith. They all get healed. But here's the problem: out of all ten of these people, whose life was like horrendous. They had to live in a leper colony. They couldn't come around people. They had to live downwind of people because they were afraid that their wind and germs would get on you. So these people were like toxic. They were viewed as stay away from them, don't even get near them. Jesus heals all of them, gives them a new lease on life. And only one, only one comes back with an expression of passion. Only one comes back expressing their passion and their gratitude for Jesus. Only one. And it just goes to show that people can have an encounter with Jesus And choose to express passion or choose not to. And this passage today we're going to be looking at, if you have your Bibles with you, Mark 11. You can turn to Mark 11. We're going to be starting in verse 7. Uh, We're going to look at some of these passionate expressions that believers have towards Jesus, especially in this Passion Week. And I don't know what your passion level is this morning. I don't know what your level of passion in response to Jesus is in response to who he is and what he's done for you and what he has in store for you, I don't know what your passion level is. I'm not really sure about your, your expression level, but I would encourage you to ask God, what is my passionate expression in response to, to Jesus and who he is and what he's done? Where, where am I at in my passionate expressions? Because in this passage, we're gonna see the passionate expressions of Christ followers, and it's pretty revealing so again, Jesus is coming down on Palm Sunday and he's coming into Jerusalem. This is the setting. And he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. He had been over at the, their house for a party. He is coming back. He came around through Jerusalem and now he's, uh, it's called Bethany, Bethpage. He's about to head down uh, into, through the Kidron Valley from the Mount of Olives and he's about to head into to Jerusalem. And, and, and the crowd knows it. They're coming to town for Passover and they heard the Messiah is coming. They heard this Jesus Messiah is coming and there's others who actually know that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Friends of Lazarus, they're like, this is awesome. He raised our friend from the dead. There's all kinds of people who have had encounters with Jesus that said, this is awesome, now is the time and they charged to this location. And it says in verse seven, when they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road. This is verse 7. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I love this. I love this because this is this profound celebration of Jesus being the king that Israel's been waiting for a long time. Now, I trust you're here this morning because you believe Jesus is, in the, is the king. Anybody in this room believe Jesus is the king? Do you believe he's the king of all kings? Okay, he is the king of all kings. Do you believe that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through him? Do you believe that? He is the king of all kings. That's amazing because all the people in this story believe the same thing. He is the king. He's the Messiah. They're shouting out to him. Uh, They're called disciples. They're called disciples. They're not just called a crowd. If you look at the other narratives of scripture, they're defined as disciples. These are disciples. They believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Messiah. He's the king of kings. And that's cool because I want to see what disciples do in their passionate expressions of Jesus. And when we look at their expressions, especially those who believe and follow Jesus like we do, uh, we're going to see something here. Verse 9 says something interesting. Uh, I've read this numerous times. I've taught on this many times. But something really stood out to me this time. In verse 9, it says that those that were with him, the disciples, that they went ahead of him and they also went behind him. They went ahead of Jesus coming in on on this cult Uh, And they're shouting Messiah and they're praising him. They went ahead and they went behind. Uh, Other gospel narrative, Luke's uh, gospel accounts saying the same thing. they, They didn't just follow. They weren't just on the side like a parade. They went ahead and they went behind. The interesting thing about going ahead, those believers that show a passionate expression in the form of going ahead of Jesus... It's pretty awesome. There's There's a beautiful boldness of those who are willing to show their expression by going ahead of Jesus. You know, John the Baptist was identified as this bold one who went ahead of Jesus, went ahead to make straight paths, went ahead to tell people, hey guys, the king is coming. Get ready. They went ahead to make straight paths, as the Bible says, to let people know, get ready. God's going to do something really cool. It's a different group of followers. They're a little bit bolder. They step out in front. They're ahead of Jesus. And in this group of people, I don't know which one you would be. Would you be on the side? Would you be behind? Would you be out in front? I don't know what your place would be in this. And there's no fault or no harm. We're all different, but it's interesting. When I look at the passionate expressions, some are like, we're going in front of him. And we're going to yell from the front. And others are like, yeah, we're going to yell from back here. We love Jesus. We just don't want to get ahead of him. We're just going to stay back here and celebrate from right here. Others are maybe alongside. And there's a whole other group that are, that are way out front. Um, the ones that are ahead are like fire starters. They're the ones who, who go in advance to start something. Remember he told the apostles, go to these towns ahead of me? I'm coming into the towns, but I want you to go ahead of me and let them know that I'm coming. These are like the, there's a beautiful boldness in going ahead. And then some here are, are going behind and, and they're just more subtle in their expression, which is fine. They're just more subtle in their passion and their expression. And so Jesus is riding in to Jerusalem as the long-awaited Messiah. They've been waiting a long time, a long time for the Messiah to come. They knew he would be a Jewish king in the lineage of David, and he's fulfilling what uh, Scripture says about him, and he's riding in, and he's riding in on a colt. To to come in on a horse would be an animal of war, but he doesn't choose to come in on an animal of war. He comes in on a colt, which is a sign of his humility and peace. And so Jesus' expression Was humility and peace. And as he's coming in, all these people are passionately waving palm branches. John's gospel says they're palm branches and and they're waving all these palm branches and they're yelling out to God. This is their expression of victory. The palm branches were like, you're the the king, you're victorious and they're waving all these palm branches and that would have been an amazing sight to see if you're in Jerusalem and you're seeing the Mount of Olives and you're seeing Jesus come with all these people yelling and screaming and chanting this, Hosanna, Son of David, Hosanna, Son of David, blessed is he who comes and they're waving these palm branches, people are like, what is going on? It's coming this way. This big, massive mob of people coming in. So their palm branches are an expression of victory. And there's some laying their coats on the ground. You might remember the old Western movies, cowboy movies, where when a lady gets out of a stagecoach, this might be old school, where the guy takes his jacket and lays it on the ground. Anybody ever see that? Old school in the house, okay. That's what they did back in the day in the, in the real cowboy movies, okay? Uh, a guy would take off his jacket so a lady wouldn't have to step in the mud. It was a sign of respect and honor. And in this culture, they're laying their clothes before Jesus even walks on them, which was a sign of deep, deep express, uh, expression of their respect for him. And so they're passionately shouting out these praises. And here's what's amazing about this. They're saying the king is finally here, Right now, in that moment in time, it was a culmination of so many prophetic uh, prophecies that were coming to pass right before their very eyes. So many scriptures in the Old Testament pointed to this very time when Jerusalem would see their king, their long-awaited king, Messiah, would come. And in fact, there's prophecies in Daniel, in the book of Daniel. We won't get into it right now. But in the book of Daniel, it says, from the moment that, it, that the Jewish people are released from Babylonian ca- captivity you can start counting the clock and it tells how many years will tick before Messiah enters Jerusalem. Amazing. And anybody who is looking for Messiah or waiting and doing the math, this is the day. This was was prophetic. Zechariah's got prophecies, a bunch of prophecies. Jesus is coming in. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. Now, I want us, if we could, to look at Luke 19. It gives us a little parallel passage of what's going on right here, and, and, it, and, it, and it says something that's pretty, pretty insightful to us, again, I think. Uh, Luke 19, uh, in verse 37, um, Luke is describing this scene, and he says this in verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. The disciples, the followers, the people who believe He was the King, the way, the truth, and the life, they had this expression coming out of them and they're, they're, they're not shy about it, they're bold about it. Uh, they're praising God for everything they've seen Him do. And I would encourage you, what you have seen Him do, what He has done in your life, makes you just like them. It gives us that same footing that Jesus has done stuff in your life. And when he's done it, they want to get it out. They want to celebrate. They don't want to be passive. They don't want to say, I will celebrate my sports team raw. But when it comes to Jesus... That's not what they're gonna do. They're like, we are gonna place our passion in certain areas. We are passionate about God, we are passionate about what Jesus did. And this whole crowd of disciples are expressing their passion in this just big old fragrant aroma of praise and adoration. And basically, uh, their story is much like ours. When you look, and I love this about Jesus, ultimately Jesus is the son of God who came with a mission and his mission was the cross. He came to die for the sins of the world because there was no remission of sins without the outpouring of blood. There was no way for sins to go away. There was no other way to do it. No other mechanism on planet earth for sins to go away except for an atonement. And there was no animal or person who could ever do it. So God sends his son to live a perfect life, to be the sacrifice for you and I. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, gift. But this is what I found out. Ultimately, everyone who comes to the Father has to go through Jesus and go through his atonement and go through the work on the cross. You can't get to heaven by, without getting to the cross. You gotta get to the cross. You got to look at what Jesus did. You got to understand that he did it for you personally. You got to receive his offering by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. This free gift grace is by faith. I receive it. It applies to me. Forgive me. I turn. I follow you. Boom. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. You get the Spirit of God placed in your heart so you can live under the influence of God Himself living inside of us. It's absolutely beautiful. But at the same time, although everyone who's a Christ follower ultimately has this in common, and this is the main event, the price Jesus paid through His love and the life we have on the other side, I have seen many people come to Jesus, many people come to Jesus because they were attracted to His, He's the truth. They've sought truth everywhere. And their conclusion is, you know what? He's, he is the truth. There's other people like me who sought peace and I found out, you know what? He's the, he is the Prince of Peace. I will tell you, Jesus the Christ is the Prince of Peace. I know it personally. Some of you have sought him too. He helped you get through or get around things. He's, he's your healer. Because because ultimately, although we've received forgiveness, he is the Prince of Peace. He's the the healer. He's uh, the King of Kings. Um, He's the one who gives us new beginnings, who gives us fresh starts. He's the one who takes away our sins, takes away our burdens. He's the one who gives us destiny. We've got a hope and a future that we wouldn't even know about if we were not in Christ. We understand what God's favor is about. We understand what God's mercy is about, His blessing all through Jesus, and these are all these things that you and I have to celebrate about. These are all things inside that my prayers, they'll start bubbling up and we'll start getting passionate about our expression because that's what disciples do. That's what disciples do. Some of you may be thinking, like I was, when it comes to passionate expression, isn't that more your style? Isn't that a style thing? And I would suggest to you know, when you look at the Old Testament, before even Jesus came, the people of God had very passionate displays of their love for God. Shouting to God, and that's nothing crazy, but an expression of, God, you're awesome. People falling on their knees, people raising their hands, people shouting praise and acclamation to God, just like you're seeing in this story. For thousands of years in the Bible, people have expressions of praise and thanks and adoration to the living God. It's not a matter of style, and it's not even a Pentecostal thing. It is a straight biblical thing. Does that make sense? This is going on all through the Bible, these expressions of praise. I remember I was raised uh, in a Catholic faith and I walked away from it, you know, when I was kind of younger, but I, I remember when I finally came to a Christian church that was teaching the Bible and I finally gave my life to the Lord. I remember, for example, the worship was more of a celebration than anything I'd ever heard. And I didn't know if that was a style thing until I started reading the Psalms And I realized, oh, a lot of these psalms are total celebration songs. Historically, this has been going on. Historically, there's been expression, these passionate expressions towards God. Later, I started to notice, why are some people lifting their hands? Because to me, that's just weird. (laughs) Did any of you think that with some honesty? Come on now. Yeah, why is it weird? Because you weren't raised that way. It seems weird to you. It doesn't seem like your style or your personality or that's what they do or that's not how I was raised. I understand. But when you look at the word of God, people had these free expressions, these free expressions of their love and adoration to God. And I'm talking about this because this is Passion Week. And in this story, all the disciples have a bold proclamation of their passion. They're not reserved. They're not on the side like a parade and saying, hey Martha, what do you think? Messiah? Pretty cool, huh? They're like, the Messiah's here. This is awesome. He's changed our life. He'll change yours too. He's the king. And this is an overflowing expression of their passion and they can't contain themselves. And it says that they're saying in loud voices, loud voices because of all the miracles they had seen. I trust you've seen God do things in your life. I've seen you know what he's done for you. I know what he's done for me. That alone Is worthy of of praising. That is something to shout about. That is something to rejoice about. That is something to speak up about. That is something to actually get loud about because this whole crowd of disciples right here did exactly that. I would say this is what a crowd of disciples does. The crowd of disciples according to scripture is a group of people who are not afraid to express their passion for the living God and what he's done in, our, in their lives. That's something we see throughout the Bible. And I would encourage you guys, I don't know what your passion level is. We're all, we all feel a little different in our, the way we're made. Uh, but I would encourage you, um, in this Passion Week, I believe the Lord, the Spirit of God, is calling us to get a little more passionate for him. I believe the Spirit of God is saying there are things in our lives and we know what they're about. I like the Chargers, okay? When my team wins, I'm like, yes, that was awesome. My boys play baseball. If they get a great hit, or I'm like, yes, I can get passionate about certain things. But I think God is saying, would you get more passionate for me? Would you get more passionate for me than you are about the, the political climate and the candidate you're for or against would you get more passionate would you get more passionate for me than you are the pursuit of your career or your aim and the things would you get more passionate for me than the rest of the world cuz all this stuff's going to go away it's all going to fade away and right now God's calling us to walk in a level of passion with him because to be honest with you we're living in times where there are so many things in media and entertainment there's so many things coming at a believer that you and I are getting desensitized, desensitized little by little by little by little. It's like taking the, the the frog and you put it in the water. You guys have heard the thing. You can take a frog and you can put it in a cold pot of water and you can slowly turn up the heat little by little by little by little by little and finally the frog will die in that water. But if you throw a frog in hot water, it'll jump right out of that water as quick as he hits it. Why? Because he can tell. But over cold water turning, when it starts to change over time, there's a a numbing down. There's a numbing down. And I'm just saying, family, I really sense the Spirit of God on Passionate Week saying, would you get more passionate for me? Are you willing to? And I'm not talking about doing more. I'm saying, let the expression come out the expression that god put in you there is an expression god knows that we're all wonderfully and fearfully made that we have different gifts and talents and experiences in this room we're not cookie cutter christians but he has an expression inside of every person in this room he has an expression and will you express will you express your love and how will you express your love will you express your testimony your god story will you express it Will you express your praise and adoration? Or will we be reserved on all of these things and get passionate about other things, things that really won't matter? I think it's easy to do. I think we all are capable of it. If you're a note taker today, let me just give you a couple of points, a couple of points regarding our, our passion. The first one is simply get, get passionate about Jesus. Get passionate about Jesus. You know, I've been a believer for a lot of years. I've been in ministry for a lot of years. And one thing that I can see as a common theme, uh, not always but often, is new believers get passionate about Jesus because they have this newfound love. They have this newfound love I met Jesus, God did something, he changed my life, he's, given, he's taken away this stuff, he's given me a new beginning, I'm forgiven, I get it, they're fired up and in their passion, they even share that with friends and share that with others or share that with family members but over time, over time, we get a little bit more under control, we reel it in a little bit, it's a little bit more tempered down, a little more contained, we become a little, we become a little bit more professional. In our christianity even the words we use and how we use them and where we use them and i don't know what happens but the passion can not always not always the passion can get dampened down over time and i don't think that's the spirit of god the spirit of god is not damping down your passion or mine there's an enemy who's real who would love to dampen down your passion and mine but the spirit of god in scripture doesn't say up. Oh, settle down don't say anything about your love for me settle down don't sing out loud don't tell people the spirit of god will never tell you that because he doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity but power love and a sound mind he gives us power love and a sound mind power to express power to be passionate power to come alive Power to represent, power to speak up. That's the spirit of God. That's what he does in our lives. So when we hear the voice of calm down, settle down, it's not my style, it's not who I am, it's not where, that's not the spirit of God. I believe passionate display is something that's in the hearts of disciples and it's a part, I think, that we need to fire back up again. You remember early in the uh, book of Acts, there's a, there's a passage where um, John is in prison and uh, they, they get him out of prison, John and Peter, and they say, listen, you better stop teaching in that name of Jesus. If we tell you we already warned you before and now this time we, we flog you, we whip you this time, if you do it again, if you do it again, we're telling you stop, we're telling you be quiet, we're telling you settle down, contain yourself, do not show a passionate expression for Jesus anymore. And you know what their response is? <laughs> we can't help but doing what we do. We can't help expressing ourselves with passion because it's in us and we know what we've seen and what we've heard. Until the day we die, it's gonna keep coming out. We're not gonna contain it. So it's important to know that expression and passion, especially in Passion Week, I think God is reminding us, I love you so much. I was so passionate for you. I poured out my life like a drink offering knowing that it would change your future and your life forever forever. And for millions of other people, would you be passionate for me? Because I was passionate for you. Would you be passionate for me? And again, if we think, you can ask a friend of yours. If you're married, you can ask your spouse. Ask a friend. So tell me, what am I passionate about? They're like, you are passionate about sales when there's new sales that come out. You're you're passionate about Black Friday. You're passionate about whatever, the the new Macy's sale. You're passionate about your soccer team. You are so passionate about your, and they'll tell you what you're passionate about. And That's fine, it's okay to have, have passions. But would they say, you know what I notice about you? You're passionate for Jesus. You're passionate for Jesus. I want that to be known of me. And I got to say, when I look at this, I'm like, wow, God, I, I get passionate for things, but I, I want to be more passionate for you. I want to be more passionate for you in a full fledged way. If you're a note taker, get passionate for Jesus. That's our first one. And the second one is start expressing yourself in spirit led ways. Let me qualify that. Start expressing yourself, not this is who I am and this is what I like and this is what I feel. That's one expression. Express yourself in spirit led ways. What is the Spirit of God welling up in you? The Spirit of God welling up in you. What is the expression He has for you? Because He has one for you. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. The Spirit of God lives and dwells in the heart of every believer. What's that expression welling up? Is it squelched? Is it contained? Is it shut down? Is it silenced? Is it on display? I don't know. Only you would know the answer for that. But I want to encourage you, what is the expression that God has put in you that can be on display and come out with passion, but right now it's contained? It's tempered down. This is important, guys. This is important. This expression in spirit-led ways. I believe that if we were all to step out and say, okay, God, I want to be more impassionate for you, and there is expression in here, and how do you want it to come out? You want it to come out in worship? You want it to come out in sharing my story more? How is that gonna come out? God's gonna show you, He'll, he'll lead you. The Spirit leads and guides us and comforts and counsels us. The Holy Spirit will lead you and speak to you in this way. Now I have to say this, this is important. When it comes to passionate expression for the living God, you can count on others trying to silence you. You can count on an opposition just like the apostles did. You can count that other people, you will have your critics. If you do this, you have to know that and you can't, you can't make an adjustment because there's gonna be critics. Could you imagine Jesus, oh, I think the Pharisees will be a little offended. I won't go to this town. Let me try another town where I won't offend. Let me, let me find somebody where everyone's gonna be happy about what I have to say. And if they're not going to lie, I don't want to go. I I don't want to offend anybody. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the apostles? We wouldn't be here today if the apostles operated that way, guys. They spoke the truth in love. They were not obnoxious. They functioned in love, but they were not functioning out of fear. Fear did not contain them. Guys, we will be more limited by fear in our lives Fear determines people's future more than faith does because most people are limited by choices of fear. Fears that hold back rather than choices of faith that propel and move forward. It's very common in the human nature and the DNA of our soul, there tends to be this, well, I don't know, I just, maybe I'll just be reserved or I'll, and we step back and we do what we've always done and we become creatures of habit and we don't want to rock the boat. And you know, It's like we were made to be these ships, right? But we weren't made, ships aren't made for the harbor they're made for the open seas but sometimes we're like ships just parked in a nice comfortable harbor when god's like i got a i got an adventure for you but it's not in the harbor it's out there we can't live our life in a way that's concerned so much about containment there will be critics there will be some that say your expression is unnecessary they'll say your expression is out of order and it may even come from religious folks because in this story, the religious folks said exactly that. Mm, 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 mm. This whole celebration, palm, yep, nope, mm, 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 mm. this is not necessary. This whole thing is off base. It's not necessary. Everyone's out of line. These were the religious elites, by the way, of their time. They qualified this expression of passion as completely off base. No place for this. And they were very poised because they don't have expression can you imagine a pharisee just busting out a move or something can you ever picture that one of the pharisees in the bible getting their groove no i can't just poised just this is wrong this is all wrong. And we see in this passage that the Pharisees, they try to silence or suppress it. And you may find this in your life too. When there's an expression, others may try to silence or suppress it. Read what it says in Luke 19 in the next two verses right here, 38 and 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. Rebuke them. That just doesn't mean be quiet. Tell them they're out of line. Tell all the disciples, you guys are so out of line, you better turn right now. You're totally backwards on this thing. This is what the religious elite is saying about this expression of adoration, this passionate expression of praise for Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus' response is this. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If followers of Jesus keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Think about that. If my people keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The Pharisees in life may try to silence you. They tried to silence believers back then. They even tried to get Jesus to silence. But they don't know the ways of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says without the Spirit of God, you cannot discern the things of God because the things of God are spiritually discerned. The Spirit of God was never trying to temper or silence the crowd. Jesus didn't want to silence the crowd. Only the Pharisees wanted to silence the crowd. And that's interesting here. And Jesus, and by the way, the devil would love to silence you as well. The devil would love nothing more for you and I, even with our personal belief system, to be rendered ineffective and shut down any kind of passionate expression at all for Jesus, what he's done who he is, what he's done for you, uh, any, any, any expression of adoration. He would love to temper you and I right back down into a quiet place out of the way where we have no effect, where our light doesn't shine and where we're not the salt of the earth because we are shut down and squelched and quiet, silent and sedated. The devil would love for us to be silent and sedated. And Jesus is like, I'm not stopping these guys. These guys are lighting it up right now. And if they don't light it up, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. Uh, The third point is this, guys never fear. Never fear a, a God given expression. If it's a God given expression and you feel welling up, this isn't about feeling, but the reality is, expressions are attached to a feeling. And in the Bible, there's a lot of expressions and there was a feeling attached to them. Feelings aren't bad things. You can't exempt the the history of Scripture and take feeling out because people, the Spirit of God was welling up in people to do profound things, and there was a, a sense overcoming them that you can't deny in the description that's given in Scripture. And in this case here, if, if, if there's a God given expression where they're shouting Jesus in praise, and there's adoration, and people are like, "Stop it! Knock it off! Go away! Don't do this anymore. It's wrong. It's out of order. It's bad. It's it's unprecedented. It's it, it's 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 not like you to do this. It's you're, you're out of order, Jesus is like, no, if they don't do it, the stones will cry out. I would encourage you, never fear a God-given expression. Jesus is saying, if they don't express themselves, the stones will cry out. The stones will speak out only if you and I don't. The stones will speak out only if you and I don't. And I don't know about you guys, but for our generation, I would say, no, the stones aren't speaking out on our watch. Amen? Are the stones going to speak out on our watch? Are they going to speak out on our generation? Is God going to have to shake something so crazy because the people of God, the sons and daughters of God, refuse to open their mouth, refuse to express any level of passionate expression for his love, his power, his glory, his grace, the miracles he's done, the forgiveness he's done, the new beginning. Will we we be so reserved that we'll get passionate about a candidate or a sports team, but quenched down and silent? Will we be those ones who are silenced, silent and sedated when it comes to our expression. The enemy would love that. And Jesus is saying, I'm not calming them down. If they don't speak out, the stones are gonna cry out. I love that. That What does that even look like? What does that even look like? In fact, I heard a stone, you ever hear a stone crying out? Yeah, I was at a friend's backyard and I heard a stone and I, I couldn't believe how loud it was. And I'm like, what in the world? And I, I walk over to this thing and it's really loud. And as I got closer, I'm like, oh, it's one of those rock speakers. You know, those outdoor speakers they have made out of a rock. I'm like, that's a weirdest thing. You know, I'm looking at a rock making all this noise. Um, Jesus is talking about the stones crying out. If you and I don't speak up, if you and I don't represent, if you and I are silent and sedated, and I would encourage you guys that we would agree, Lord, not on our watch. We don't want that on our watch, Lord. And so uh, in closing, I just want to share a couple of these points. I don't know what your passion level is when it comes to expression uh, based on your style or your, how you were raised or maybe the season of life you're in. Maybe you would say, I was more passionate earlier and I'm not right now. I don't know what that is. When passion goes away, I think God wants to fan it back into flame. He even told Timothy, hey, don't forget to fan back into flame the gifts that were in you. There's going to be a passionate display of those gifts, but Timothy they might be smoldering a little bit. I don't know. Just fan them back into flame. Get them going again. Just like a campfire that was blazing at one time, it can start to dwindle down and get lower and you and I got <laughs> to fan it into flame to get it going again. Sometimes passion, the gifts and calling of God, the things he designed us for, the expression needs to get fanned back into, into flame. I don't know what your expression level is or your level of passion is these days. Um, but I would suggest to you um, that there are a few things that can hinder that. If your expression level is low or you're passionate for the things of God are low, but maybe not in other areas of life, but with the kingdom, uh, here's a few things. I just want to hit on these last four things and then we're going to close up. Um, if you have this sense that you are supposed to contain yourself, and, and we're all different in the room, but, but I, I trust that if any of you struggle with any of these, one of these is probably going to... Be the one. If if you kind of feel like, well, I think I'm just supposed to contain myself. I I don't want to I don't want to step out of like the mold of what I should be, and I I don't know if I should do that. If that's if that's more your concern about containment, um, things like that could be could be rooted in a pride about what people will think of you, Uh, not what God thinks of you, what what others will think. A pride and. And the Lord showed me that many years ago, gave me that word pride. And I'm like, Lord, pride. I, I like the janitor at work. I talk to him. I'm like, I, I love, like, I did homeless ministry, talking to people on the streets. I don't get pride. I don't, I don't think anybody's better than anybody. I never did. I'm re- I really mean that. I think everyone's equal. We walk on the same ground. I'm like, pride? I was confused with that word. I really felt at a time of prayer and fasting many years ago, God gave me this word, pride. And I'm like, I don't understand pride. And the pride was me caring about what others would think of me. Oh, that kind of pride. That kind of pride. Um, there's a beautiful passage in 2 Samuel 6.22 that kind of answers that. David had an expression before the Lord. He danced before the Lord. He danced and celebrated before God. God wasn't angry with him. God wasn't saying, what are you doing, David? That's reading. You know, he was dancing before the Lord. The Lord was pleased with David. David danced dancing before the Lord, but... His wife was fuming mad. She was fuming mad in the passage. And she was one of those persons, containment, there's no place for any of that expression at all. Everything is, is that there's no place for any of that. And David said at the time, uh, he says, listen, when it comes to my dignity, I'm not worried about my dignity. I will be more undignified than this. If I can be an expression for the glory of God, if I can be free in my expression and God gets the glory, not me. I don't want people to look at me. I want them to look at him. But if God gets the glory in it, let God get the glory in it. And if people don't like it, if it looks outside the box, if it looks like I'm not being contained, then that's okay. Then that's the way it's going to go down. And that passage is a pretty interesting one. You can read that later if you want. 2 Samuel 6.22. He says, I will be even more undignified than this. Paul says something similar. Hey, if I have to, I'll be a fool for Christ. (laughs) Fool for Christ. Really? What about, what are people gonna think? It doesn't matter. I'll be a fool. I'll be a fool for Christ. Um, Maybe, um, maybe there's a, you you sense a a containment because of, of, of fear, a fear of if I speak out What's going to happen? If I speak out, what will they think? If I speak out, what will others say? Uh, and if that is it, if it's driven by a fear, again, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. He gives us power, love, and a sound mind. So how do you and I deal with that kind of fear? When we're, when, when we're feeling fearful in this kind of area, uh, what is the answer? Uh, Luke twelve eight. this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, if you confess me before men, I'm going to confess you before my Father and angels in heaven. But if you won't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father and angels. And have, the early church knew that. They're like, you're awesome, Messiah. But today, this political, this person, we yeah, rah rah. We're in this camp, and we're against that one. We're passionate, and we're for this team, and we're the Jesus? That's personal. That's everybody's own. We don't. Where did that come from? That either comes from the Pharisees saying be quiet or it comes from the enemy. The Spirit of God is not telling you to temper down and close your mouth and be silent. It's Passion Week, guys. I believe the Spirit of God wants to fan things into flame. Um, again, if you're worried about um, offending, if it happens to be it, if you're actually worried about, well, I don't want to offend them. There's a lot of people around me and I don't want to offend them. Uh, if that seems to be the driver for your containment, um, I would suggest that maybe, it may be, rooted in a, an issue of identity, your true identity, your true identity. Um, your true identity is a son of God, a daughter of God. If you're a Christ follower, you're a son or daughter of the Most High God. And, um, and sometimes, sometimes we care too much what others think. And I'll be honest with you, if you care too much what others think about you, and this doesn't mean be disrespectful, we love God and love our neighbor. We honor, we respect people. This is not being brash or harsh or, you know, cold to anything, but the bottom line is we're called to live to the audience of one. God is gonna say, what did you do with this life I gave you? And yet so many people check out on this part with God and live their life out of fear and concern of offending other people and what they're gonna think that will constrain you and that will limit you and you won't have a passionate display of God in your life. There won't be um, this expression because of maybe fear of not offending people. It says in Galatians, here's a scripture for you if you struggle with that one, Galatians 1.10, he says this, as a servant of Christ, um, we don't live to win man's approval. As a servant of Christ, we don't live to win man's approval. He says, as a servant of Christ, if I was trying to prove, uh, please man, I would live that way. But I'm not trying to please man, I'm trying to please God. And so, since I'm trying to please God, I cannot live my life trying to please man because first of all, I can't please man because humanity is never pleased. But I can't live my life to please others. I gotta live my life to please God. And, and that's important because sometimes... Um, Our our identity can be a little like, I want everyone to be happy. I want God to be pleased. I want to live a life that honors God, that is walking in his will, his power, his love, rather than I want to live in a way that the people around me, I make them happy. And I'm just telling you that comes at an expense. It comes with uh, your expression uh, being squelched uh, because we're not representing God first. And and, then maybe you're just feeling like, and I feel like this from time to time, maybe you just feel like, you know, I just need more, (laughs) I need more fuel, God. I need more fuel. I need more fire. And that's okay. The early church did too. And what they would do is they'd come back and they would get together and they would pray and they'd say, God, fill us again. This is what they said. Fill us again. Do what you did before. Shake and move this place. Do things. Change life. Fill us again. And you're thinking, well, they already were filled. Why would they ask that? Because they know they're pouring their life out like a drink offering and they're serving people and they're serving God. And sometimes they're just like, God, would you fill me up again? And they waited on the Lord. And they prayed and they waited on the Lord. It's just like, Lord, it's not that I'm afraid of people. It's that I just just need more fire, God. I need your fuel. I need your fire. He told the early church the same thing. He said, don't even go out and try to talk to people yet. Don't even go out and try to share your faith yet until you receive power from on high because you don't have the power in and of yourself to change anyone's life. But I am going to fill you with my spirit to the point of overflowing. It's called a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed like a water immersion, like a ship at the bottom of the ocean, completely immersed. I'm going to immerse you in the spirit of God. You're going to get immersed in the spirit of God. And when you come up from that immersion, you're going to be filled And there'll be an expression, there'll be a capacity to express yourself that never existed before. I remember the day uh, that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was, uh, the church was doing uh, water baptisms and it happened to be, if any of you remember, uh, Little House on the Prairie, remember the TV show? Michael Landon, it was his house. His wife was a believer. The church, it was in Beverly Hills. The church was allowed to use their big pool in the backyard and everyone's getting baptized. And they also said, hey, listen, if you are ready to give your life to God, to serve Him, and you sense you need a baptism of service because you do not have the power and capacity to serve God without being filled by Him, then ask for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to share that with you because if that's you this morning, this is not a today thing. This is something for you to search your heart, seek God, read the scripture on it. Check what the Bible says about the filling of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and read the chronology in Acts chapter 2 and what happened in the rest of the book of Acts. I would encourage you. But I will tell you something happened to me that day. My passion level went from here to here. That was a day in history where I wanted this and I prayed for this. And I remember getting prayed over and the Spirit of God had come upon me in a way that changed my life to this day. I had been a musician for many years playing all these clubs in Hollywood back in the day, but when it came to my expression of faith for Jesus publicly, ooh, that's private. That's with me and God or me and other believers. That was not, I did not share that with, that was, that was a private thing and that was like, I was very concerned and it was, a, I don't know, that's just where I was at. I had a personal little belief with God. But the day I got baptized, the day I was filled with the Spirit, I'm talking about the fuel. I didn't have fuel. The day I got filled, I went over here to Lake Balboa and I took out my guitar, my acoustic, and I started making new songs up like nonstop for hours like they were doing in this Passion Sunday coming in, yelling out Hosanna. I was on the side of this hill over there singing out praises to God. I was making them up. I didn't even have melodies. I was coming up with all kinds of stuff. I was up there for hours until after the sun went down and I'm thinking, what happened to me I wasn't like this yesterday I would not have ever sat on the side of a hill wondering about what people would think of me and I would never have this expression of passion I would encourage you I didn't make it up it was an outflow as an evidence of the Spirit of God in my life. And I would encourage you, if you feel limited and quenched and squelched, if you feel hindered, if you, if you feel held back, if you feel like status quo, aren't I supposed to be contained? No, the Pharisees would like to contain you. The devil would like to contain you. The Spirit of God would like to release you. The Spirit of God would like to release you in, in expressions of passion that are Spirit-led. And um, on that note, I want to close in prayer. But for those of you who sense that, uh, we will have... Time coming up in weeks to come, uh, talking more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you sense you need uh, that baptism of fire or that baptism of power to serve God and represent uh, in the way he's calling to you. So let's just uh, close in prayer. Uh, Mighty God, we love you so much. We thank you for the word. And and Lord, you were so passionate for us that you came on this Palm Sunday and you rode into Jerusalem and the believers were passionate back. They responded in passion and they were shouting praises, they were loving you back, and they weren't afraid of what people thought. And Lord, I just pray that Lord, you would help us with our expressions of passion to you. Not because of our styles or choices or where we're from or our personalities, but simply as sons and daughters of God who are not ashamed of you. Sons and daughters of God who have a story of how God met us and gave us a new second chance. Sons and daughters who simply love you and are not afraid to say, We love you. And I just pray for everyone in this room, God, that there would be expressions expressions of our love back to you, expressions of appreciation back to you, expressions of adoration back to you, expressions of testimony that others would hear that are all about you, God. But we love you so much, Lord God. So let us, Lord, continue to to just be passionate in our response to you and not be held back or silenced as so many have tried to do in in the history of the church, trying to silence the sons and daughters. And you would say to us, we can't be silenced. If we're silenced, the stones will cry out. And not on our watch, God. We love you so much, Lord. We love you so much, Lord. God, I just want to pray, Lord, for everyone's week, Lord, that everyone would begin to drink deeply as they sit with you in their personal time. They would drink deeper from, Lord, your sources of living water. And, Lord, that we would walk through the week, Lord, as sons and daughters who clearly spent time with you, who clearly represent you, who walk in your love, your power. We don't have to make this stuff up, Lord, but it would be an outflow, a natural outflow of our life. We love you. We praise you for that. We ask these things in in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.